This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Turkey week and rivalry week as well for week 13 of this college football season. Welcome back to Prospects 101, the show where we break down football prospects from all levels, talking high school, college transfers, college recruiting, NFL prospects, and the NFL trap. Prospects 101 would not be possible without our great partners, Blue Wire Pods and Bet Online. So huge thank you to them. You can always interact with with the show on social media every Saturday and throughout the week. It's at Prospects 101 Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we're here to preview Week 13. A lot of news early before we get into the, into the top news, guys. A lot of things coming out really by the hour. Games getting canceled. Uh, we have the initial college football rankings. And did Georgia and Michigan find a quarterback? But before, like to just update everybody. And, and guys, I want to get your reaction we went to the Coastal Carolina game for you that follow us on social media, on Instagram, saw that we were doing some Instagram lives there. Boys, it was awesome to be at a live college football game. The atmosphere was electric, teal was everywhere, and Coastal Carolina remains undefeated. It was awesome, man. I mean, it was arguably the biggest game on Coastal's schedule. I know the Liberty game is looming, but... That's an out-of-conference game. As far as in-conference-wise, this was a huge game. This is for battle of the Sun Belt supremacy. And you know what they say, to, to be the man, you got to beat the man. And App State's been the man of the Sun Belt Conference for years. And it looks like there's a new sheriff in town, and that's Coastal Carolina. Yeah, and the best part about it for us is that we were sitting in the fan base for Appalachian State. So the, the corner of the stadium, they had their own little fan base that we were right smack dab in the middle of. And it was even better seeing Coastal Carolina win – and seeing all those fans just completely storm out. As soon as that pick six happened at the end of the game, I looked to my left where all the fans were, and they were all gone. So that's one guy taking a shot of Jack Daniels. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I know, right? You know, for 25% capacity, I was very impressed at how electric that atmosphere was. I mean, that felt like a big-time college football. It's probably the closest thing I've had to normalcy all year. So very impressed and and. 
and they were gracious hosts. It's a fantastic facility. They've got a great football program they're building there. So, you know, anybody, if you're ever in the Myrtle Beach area, you can go to the beach. You can hang out, hit a couple bars, and you can go see some great football as well. So, guys, let's go off on some, some of the top news of the week before we start to get into week 13. The initial college football rankings came out yesterday. Everybody wanted to see a couple different things, how the top four was going to shape out, what was going to happen with the BYU and the or the BYU and the Cincinnati ranking, where was the Pac-12 going to be, um, and then what were how were some other teams going to shake out some of the other undefeateds, Coastal Carolina and some of the other Big Ten teams. So initial thoughts on what came out and what was released yesterday. Do you like the top four, and who do you think got snubbed in the initial rankings? So I think the top four, arguably the top six, was pretty much a scratch. From the AP rankings to the college football playoff rankings, you know, interchangeably with the Ohio State and Clemson pick, pretty much everything else was the same. The biggest shocker really came with BYU. I mean, obviously they haven't played the toughest schedule, but I still thought they were a top 10 team at the max, maybe 11. But for them to fall to number 14 with the likes of Iowa State, a two-loss Iowa State team ahead of them, uh, a two-loss Oklahoma team, a two-loss Georgia team, like many two-loss two teams ahead of BYU. Kind of shocking. Goes to show uh, every G5 program out there for future reference, schedule some tougher games. And I know that's not against BYU because they had guys, but just in general, you got to schedule tough games. Cincinnati is pretty much where they were, where I thought they would be. The other biggest shocker for me was Northwestern being at number, number eight. eight. Like, that's nuts. Like, that, that's awesome. I love seeing it. I love seeing uh, what they're doing over there and how they're winning with defense. Uh, and just see that being recognized is just awesome. But other than that, nothing, nothing too crazy. The other one, other quick note: Coast Carolina not being in, you know, higher than twenty is kind of a, a shame to me. They're what eight and zero right now, and they're ranked twentieth. Kind of sucks, but I wish they're you know more closer to fifteen. But Kenny, what about you? What do you think? No, I, yeah, I have no issue with the top four. I think that was the right top four to choose. Uh, I don't think there's anything I would change about that. Um, Cincinnati at seven, you know, is right around where I thought they'd be. You know, I was hoping they were going to be a little higher, but seven was right where I thought they would be. Um, like you said, BYU, BYU at 14. I, I, look, I get it. Their schedule hasn't necessarily been murder's row, but, you know, I, you got to look at the eye test. They kept claiming last night these guys, this committee watches the games. They watch the games. They watch the games. Well, they clearly didn't because I don't care what BYU's schedule has looked like this year. They've blown everybody out of the water almost every week. I mean, and they were like, oh, yeah, you know, Boise being down their quarterback, really, I, I think that's a garbage take. I think you're a lazy college football fan or, or, or you're a lazy, lazy committee member if you go, well, the Boise State win was not that impressive because Bachmeyer didn't play, and then, you know, Sears got hurt at the end of the first quarter. Look, they beat, they beat them by, like, 40-some points. I don't care if Bachmeyer or Sears would have been in the game. It wouldn't even have been a game. And they, I mean, they throttled them like they weren't even on the same field. So to me, that was disappointing. I, I think they deserve to be in the top 10. You know, I think you can make an argument with them being behind Georgia and Northwestern. I wouldn't have had an issue with that, but they shouldn't have been lower than 10th, in my opinion. So uh, I, I do, I do disagree with that. Most everything else I was pretty on board with, um, you know, maybe Coastal could have been a spot or two higher, but we knew being in the Sunbelt Conference, it was always going to be tough sledding for them. I think the highest Appalachian State got last year at one point was like 17th, and they were 10-0. and 0. So 
no, they're not really breaking much from tradition at that point. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I think the top four makes a lot of sense. No argument for me. Texas A&M and Florida really kind of irking in the shadows on what will happen there. But to be quite honest with you, Florida, I, I think Florida will end up jumping them if they went out and meet Alabama in the SEC championship. And then really anything, and you know, that, then it's on. Um, I thought Northwestern at 8 was really cool to see. I like that. I think Miami's too high at 10. Um, BYU at 14, I think, is probably the biggest story. To have Iowa State in front of them is a joke. Having any Big 12 team in front of BYU is a complete clown show. Iowa State stinks. Mark it down. They'll get blown out in the championship game against Oklahoma, and I don't even think Oklahoma's very good. So, um, Indiana 4-1, all right, I can kind of buy it there. They've had some big games, and, and they played Ohio State pretty pretty tough. Um, I would have liked to see Coastal a little bit higher just because I, I just I really like what they're doing. But, I mean, they're in the Sun Belt. I mean, it's, you know, kind of enough said there. You know, Tulsa at 5-1 and one at 25 I thought was a little low. I would have liked to seen them in the top 20, especially like a 3-0 and USC team. That has looked very unimpressive. Um, a Wisconsin team that's 2-1 that's only played three games. I would have liked to seen a lot of those teams drop and really putting, you know, a, a Tulsa at 5-1, and one, specifically Tulsa at 5-1 over Iowa, three, and that's ahead of yeah. three and two. So. That was, that's, Iowa shouldn't even be in the top 25. I, I agree with that. So, uh, But ultimately the top four um, makes a lot of sense. Five and six makes a lot of sense. So what, we'll see what happens as we got some big games coming down the stretch. Uh, other big news that came out, Nick Saban, I, I guess Nick Saban just doesn't like wearing masks because this second time that he's tested positive, <laughs> I'm just kidding for that. I don't want to get political on this podcast. But uh, Nick Saban test positive for the second time. could probably be said that it was a false positive the first time. But he test positive, and for the Iron Bowl, Coach Steve Sarkeesian will be back in the saddle as a head coach first time since he was the head coach at USC for the Iron Bowl. It'll be interesting, fellas, to see how this takes out uh, on the offensive and defensive side of the ball throughout that game, especially as the game tightens. Yeah, it's a it's a very big opportunity for Sark to kind of show his his rehabilitated coaching image. This is it. This is a big opportunity for him. And, and you know, honestly, he got a little taste of it when Nick Saban had that false positive earlier in the year and had to run the show for, you know, I think it was three or four days before Nick came back. Uh, after his three negative tests, so this is you know, hey, welcome, welcome to the Iron Bowl, Sark. Like this is this is your baptism by fire. You know, you're you're now the head coach. You're the chief honcho. But you know, look, we we talked about this offline on a group chat earlier. Alabama is a process oriented or um, team uh, organization. It's next man up mentality there. So that's how Nick Saban runs it. He's kind of a CEO. He lets his assistants have more latitude than probably most coaches do at most programs. So I, I don't think they're really going to miss a beat. Yeah, you know, you can't replace Nick Saban's leadership. That's that's impossible to do. But I, I would not be surprised if at the end of the day we look in the final scores like 55-17 and we're like, wow, Alabama looked like they didn't miss a beat because that's just who Alabama is. Yeah, I've got breaking news here. Nick Saban tests negative three straight times, but will be available for Saturday's game. What? I'm totally kidding, man. Oh. I was like, what? <laughs> That's what happened the first time. <laughs> Is there a chance he beats it again? <laughs> no, I'm joking. Dude, I but... thought you were reading, like, old headlines at first. I was like, wait. No way. The fact that you guys somewhat believed me there for a second is, is crazy. 
But it's a big game, and honestly, I think Sark, this is his chance to really show himself to be a head coach and possibly get a decent gig next year that's, you know, a P5 type of school. Because, I mean, we all think that he's trending in that direction. So a big-time win over a big-time rival like Auburn for the Iron Bowl, I think, is a good step forward for him in, in his coaching career. Yeah, I mean, look, dude, Sark is coaching big games. He's had top five upsets. He's, you know, had big games at both USC and Washington, and he's won a fair amount of those. This is nothing new for Sark. He'll be able to get in there, and to be honest with you, Alabama won't miss a beat. I think it, I, I think if this game is going to be close, it's not because Nick Saban will be out. This game will be closed because it's a rivalry game, and it's a rivalry game where anything can happen, and mm-hmm. Sark just happens to be in the saddle opposed to Saban. Uh, to, to Kenny's point, Look, these players are so focused, narrowed in at Alabama that they're not going to miss a beat, in my opinion. Um, you know, it, does Sark have to prove something? I still think Alabama rolls in this. You know, Sark will still continue to run plays. I j- I'm just not sold that this is a chance for him to show everyone. I, he's won big games before as a head coach, so um, you know, I, I don't, I don't see this changing anything for Alabama, and I don't think it really changes much for him. Other than it'll just kind of spotlight him on national television, which me personally, I'm I'm very biased towards Sark just because I'm a UW fan and he kind of brought us back to to mediocrity, I guess, when he took over 0 and 12. So, um, love I I love seeing him coach again. So it'll be really fun to watch, kind of how intense he is during the Iron Bowl, and we'll definitely have fans in the stands, so there'll be a little bit of an atmosphere. So excited to see that. Uh, I you know some top news since we didn't get to do. A, an episode on Sunday kind of dating back to what we saw in week 12. Did Georgia and Michigan find a quarterback? JT Daniels threw for over 400 yards and a win over Mississippi State, and Cade uh, McNamara had 75% completion percentage and a four-touchdown day over Rutgers. Do we think that those two schools have found a good trigger man in Daniels and McNamara? Well, I mean, personally, I think they found a upgrade. Honestly, Joe Milton played for a quarter and a half, and he looked like garbage. So the fact that McNamara came in there, completed the percentage uh, percentage that he did, threw four touchdowns, one in triple overtime after Rutgers had a 17 to nothing lead, I got to admit that – or I got to say they found an upgrade at least. Is he going to be, you know, an all-world quarterback? Probably not. He's a sophomore. I think he's going to be an upgrade, though, from Joe Milton. And as far as JT Daniels, and a lot of people are going to say, you know, he played Mississippi State, one of the worst defenses in the country probably, but – Let's be honest, Georgia hasn't had a quarterback throw over 400 yards since 2013. This is his first game back from a pretty devastating knee injury. So, I mean, I think, again, he's an upgrade. Is he the real deal? You know, we'll find out down the road, but I think he's definitely an upgrade than what they had at Stetson Bennett and and Mathis. Yeah, I I mean, the guys, both guys, obviously, statistically, were definitely upgrades over their predecessors. So, no arguing that. Um, Have they found their quarterbacks? I don't know. I'd like to see more of a sample size versus Rutgers and Mississippi State, respectively. Uh, two programs that are not known for playing amazing defense at the moment. Um, you know, so we'll see. I mean, JT Daniels has South Carolina this week, minus their two best corners. So I doubt we're really going to get anything emphatic there. I'm sure JT would probably put up good numbers. Um, you know, Cade McNamara is going to be interesting because he's more of the unknown. You know, JT's got the hype around him, being a five-star recruit, being the number one recruit a couple of years ago, being a USC guy, then transferring. So he's kind of he's kind of got the 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 hype along with some of the stuff to go with him. Where Cade McNamara, he's more of an unknown than JT Daniels is. So 
we'll see moving forward. Um, but both guys, yeah, they, they do initially look better than their predecessors. For well, sure. And also, you got to look how the team performs around them because you've always seen an ejection or of life, right, enthusiasm into a program when you put in a quarterback. It's a spark, more or less. So let's see how players like George Pickens, their running back Smith, how they do uh, at Georgia and these players for uh, Michigan, how they do with these new quarterbacks coming in. Because I'm curious to see what the energy is like across the team as they put a new quarterback in there. Don't even get me started on George Pickens. <laughs> that guy's one of the most overrated players in college football. All right, guys, let's get into our game day radar before we go down this wormhole. Uh, we have enough of this wormhole discussion when we're in, in person. Um, let's get into the games and prospects for the upcoming week of games as it is Thanksgiving week and players that we're looking for to see what they can do and up their draft stock. I'll go first, guys. First, guys, Ian Book against North Carolina or uh, the quarterback in Notre Dame versus North Carolina. This will probably be their biggest game going into the ACC championship, assuming that they stay undefeated. Um, I, I like to see Ian Book have a huge game here. Look, North Carolina gives up a lot of points on defense. I want to see Ian Book tear it up in the air. And if he does, I think you could then start to talk about him being a day two, more than likely day three quarterback again. I think what I've been really disappointed with Book is his ability to dominate games with his arm. I think this is a great week for him to show that and go out and, and put up a ton of points against a very, very average UNC defense. Next guy, Jank Funk, my man, senior out of, uh, out of Gaithersburg, Maryland, uh, and he's the starting running back for the Maryland Terrapins against Indiana University. I feel like Indiana's going to have a down game, kind of a letdown game against Maryland. Maryland's probably better than the average person thinks. Jake Funk averaging 7.8 yards a carry, close to 400 yards already for the season, and just shy under three games. I really like this kid. He's a stud. He matches what uh, um, Talia does at the quarterback position. I'd like to see him have a big game against an IU defense that I think is going to be a little bit let down after last week. Third guy, Owen Popo, linebacker uh, linebacker for Auburn. No doubt about it, Auburn's going to have to have a massive game on defense to even have a shot in this. Need to be able to uh, keep Harrison check. Popo leads the team in tackles, uh, has two sacks on the year. So really need to focus on keeping Najee Harrison check and really making this a one-dimensional team. Harris has a lot of touchdowns, but he has a lot of short yard touchdowns. So I like to see Popo have a big game as a linebacker and keep Harris in check there. And then my fourth guy to watch. Guys, we watched this guy last week in person, and I was blown away at how dominant he was. C.J. Brewster, the senior mm -hmm. defensive tackle out of Coastal Carolina, six and a half sacks already on, base, on, on pace to surpass his 2019 tackle total. I love this guy. Great size as well. I think this guy could be a sneaky day two pick um, because he is so dominant in the Sun Belt division. I loved what he did, number 52, against Appalachian State last week. So I see, I see him having a massive game against Texas State and go out there and really dominate the box. Um, so those are the four guys that I'm really looking at. So, Pastel, how about you? Who are some well, see, guys that you think should stand out this week? Yeah, same game as what you're talking about with Ian Book, Notre Dame versus UNC. Let's look at the other side of the football, and you got Sam Howell. Sam Howell has completely been balling out lately. Had a slow start to the football year, but, I mean, he's now 23 touchdowns, six picks, over 2,600 yards. 
uh, passing and really a majority of that coming in the last two or three games. I I think this is what we expected from him coming into the year, you know, a top-five quarterback, potentially the top quarterback to go in the 2022 draft. Now he's playing like that again. Can there be an upset brewing uh, when they played Notre Dame? I think he's going to have to have an all-star type of game. Uh, to, you know, really to give, give Notre Dame a shot. I think the spread right now is, what, 5, 5.5? So, obviously, Vegas thinks UNC has a shot. I know a lot of people think Notre Dame's going to run away with that game, but it starts with Sam Howell and what he can do with the ball to see if they can, you know, upset Notre Dame. The next guy I got is Smoke Monday, the safety out of Auburn. This guy had a 100-yard interception return, was SEC Defensive Player of the Week last week. Big-time uh, player for them. Hasn't got a lot of playing time his first two years, but he's showing what he was recruited to be this year. And he's I mean, he's all over the field. Like I said, he's got 40, 42 tackles, a couple sacks, interception, touchdown. Obviously, he's going against, you know, Alabama. They've got athletes all over the field. He's going to be a, a playmaker, you know, in, in the deep safety. And he's got to, you know, be a playmaker in the box. So, Smoke Monday, if Auburn wants to have a shot in the Iron Bowl, he's going to have to have a huge game for them. My third guy, and I know nobody likes this guy, but I'm still going to mention him, and that's Kenny Pickett, the quarterback for Pittsburgh. Here's the thing. Is that defense is probably going to have four – you know, first round or second round type of players on that defense. Kenny Pickett has been throwing pretty decently, pretty decent uh, recently. He had 400 yards, three total TDs last week versus Virginia Tech. There might be, again, there might be an upset brewing in Clemson if he can, if the quarterback play for Pittsburgh can, you know, play to the level that, you know, a lot of people thought Kenny Pickett was. So if he can go out there and throw three, 400 yards, I think there's a chance for an upset there in Clemson because Clemson, Let's just be honest, the last three or four weeks that they've played, they haven't played very well. So we'll see. I, even though I do know Clemson's probably pretty upset right now with the whole Florida State debacle that happened. But my fourth guy, uh, Ramondo Stevenson, the running back for Oklahoma, this guy's a stud. This guy was the number one JUCO transfer two years ago at the running back position. He played well last year, but then he got suspended, if you remember that, with Ronnie Perkins and a couple of Oklahoma players in the college football playoffs last year for what I believe is uh, doing some type of drug-related offense. So he finally got back two games ago, and he's just been bowling out. He had 26 carries for 141 yards last week. Two weeks ago, he had 11 carries for 104 yards for two TDs. The guy's balling out. He's six foot. He's six foot, 245 pounds, but he runs like a four or five forty. I mean, he's extremely explosive for his size. So I think they're going against West Virginia. West Virginia's got a good defensive line. I'm really curious to see what Ramondo Stevenson does because if you haven't heard of this guy yet, don't be surprised if he's a day two running back next year. Kenny, how about you? Who do you got? Yeah, keeping the running back train going, there's a guy who really caught my eye, and his name is Jamar Jefferson. I watched him a lot um, his freshman season, his true freshman season. He ran for 1,400 yards, 12 touchdowns. It was just a really good, solid, true freshman running back for Oregon State. It was a really bad Oregon State team that year. Sophomore season last year, he got hurt. He was off, he was off injured most of the year. Uh, and didn't really play that well. Just it wasn't that consistent. Jump forward to 2020, the first three games of the season, he's looked like an awesome player, man. This is a guy who I think could be a day two pick this year if he wants to come out. He's 5'10", 220 pounds. He does a good job of running behind his pads. He's very physical. You know who he reminds me of, guys? He reminds me, this is a name that you might remember. He hasn't played in a couple of years. 
Marion Barber, the running back for the Cowboys, mm-hmm. that's who he reminds me of. Remember late in games, they called him the closer because he would just wear down defenses and then just, just absolutely start crushing dudes in the fourth quarter? That's where Jamar Jefferson reminds me of. He does a lot of his damage in the second half of games because he's just wearing out the defense. They just continue to pound the rock with him. He's averaging 7.2 yards a carry this year against some pretty good defenses, too. He played Washington week two and California week three and he shredded both te- both defenses. So really excited to see him play in the Civil War this week against Oregon. Super exciting rivalry game. And I'm telling you, if he's on his game, don't be surprised if they take down Oregon. Oregon hasn't been overly impressive to me. And I think you, pl- you keep the ball away from them, and Jamar Jefferson is the key yeah. to that. They could definitely sneak a win in that game. I like uh, that. My, next gu- my next guy st- st- sticking with the Pac-12, Nate Landman linebacker from Colorado has been one of the reasons Colorado has played as well as they have and have kind of defied a little bit of expectations. He's all over the field. He's an absolute sideline to sideline playmaker. He's 6'3", 235 pounds, has had double digit tackles the first two weeks of the season, a couple tackles for losses, a fumble recovery. He's just been all over the field and he's continuing what he's done the past two years at Colorado. He's been the team leading in tackles the team leader in tackles for losses. He, he mixes in sacks and interceptions. He's all over the field. He's one of the one of the rare good three-down linemen in the Pac-12 this year. I think he'll be a day-two pick as well. I don't think he'll sneak his way into the first round, but he's just continuing to show why he's a highly sought-after three-down – he'll be a highly sought-after three-down linebacker at the next level. Look, they're playing a USC team who has not looked impressive – But USC has a really, really good offense. They have a great quarterback in Keaton Slovis. If he can continue to disrupt and play disruptive football, this is a Colorado team that could be staring 3-0 in the face with an upset of a top-20 USC team. So Colorado doing big things, and they're being led on defense by Nate Landman. Keep an eye on him. My next guy is Seth Williams, wide receiver out of Auburn. They're playing Bama in the Iron Bowl this year. Look, (laughs) This guy's the sole reason why Bo Nix has looked as halfway decent as he has this season. Seth Williams has been mossing dudes left and right all year. Well, now's his biggest test. You get top 10 potential pick in Patrick Sertan. You don't think Patrick Sertan's going to be all over this dude one-on-one the whole game? You're crazy. Seth Williams is one of the best skilled receivers in the country and might be one of the most underrated receivers in the country, 6'3", 215 pounds. He can go up. He has an incredible catch radius. He's fast. He's strong. He can pretty much do it all. So he's going to need to cause chaos all game long for Auburn to have a chance offensively. I just don't think Auburn offensively can hang with Bama. I don't see it. The only hope they have is Seth Williams is just absolutely moss and certain and causing the defense to roll coverage his way the entire game to allow guys like Tank Bigsby and other players on that offense to to really make more of an impact. But if if, if he allows Sertan to lock him down, then I think it's going to be a long game for that Auburn offense and a long game for Auburn as a whole. But Seth Williams, this is your chance to make a mark. This is your chance to separate yourself in a very, very deep receiver class. So I'm excited to see what he can do against one of the best cover corners in the country. My next guy, Brees Hall. Best running back in football. I don't think that's even a hot take. True sophomore, 
absolute stud this year for Iowa State is a big reason why Iowa State is where they're at right now because Brock Purdy is taking a, it's what seems like a step back this season. However, Brees Hall, if he continues to play like this, he's going to be a, a Heisman candidate going into next season, and he's going to be the number one running back in the country from a prospect perspective for the 2021 class. And to be honest, if he was eligible to come out this year, he might be the number. He might be playing his way into the number one running back in 2020. He's six one, 220 pounds, extremely physical and extremely explosive. This guy's had a ton of 30 yard plus runs this season. He he's got separation speed with that size. I just like the, everything about how this guy plays for Iowa State. Um, and, he, and they've got a big game this week, a top 20 matchup with Texas. This is going to go a long way deciding who's going to be in the in the Big 12 championship. And I think Iowa State can get there with Brees Hall's legs. Uh, and then my final guy I'm excited about is Romeo Dobbs, wide receiver from Nevada versus Hawaii. Look, Nevada's 5-0. and They've got the early track to be on the, in the Mountain West Conference championship and to really make some noise. And, and Dobbs has been absolutely incredible. 35 receptions, 770 yards at 22 yards a clip with nine touchdowns. He's the catalyst behind this explosive Nevada offense. I'm really excited to see what he can do versus Hawaii and what's going to be a big-time Mountain West Conference matchup. And that is a perfect transition, Gless, into our Bet Online segment. The wait is finally over. Football is back. My soul cries out hallelujah. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, for sure. Now, I will say with the BetOnline segment, I wasn't on last week, so these numbers are going to look a little jacked up. Uh, at least from my, at least my numbers won't completely add up, um, just because I wasn't able to take place. But Kenny, why don't you start off with with, with yours? Look like you went zero and four last week. You are struggling, my struggling friend. Struggling, coach. Sixteen and twenty nine and one on the season. So, Kenny, you need to take some big fat winners this week. Looks like you got five. Why don't you enlighten us who you got? If anybody's listening, you should probably fade me this week. That'll be that'll be how you make your money. Just fade instead of tailing me this week, fade me. Uh, but no, my first game that caught my eye was Iowa State plus one at Texas. I'm taking Iowa State and the points plus one. Like I said, I, I think they uh, I think they go into Texas. I think they run the football. Brees Hall runs the football all over Texas. They win a tight one, but they do win. Um, and then Notre Dame, my next game, Notre Dame. Laying five points at UNC, I'm taking Notre Dame and the points. I think Notre Dame blasts UNC. I don't think UNC's defense is going to stop Notre Dame on offense hardly. You know, they might force one or two punts, but I, I think Notre Dame is going to walk all over UNC. I really do. 
Um, then my next game, Oregon laying 14 points at Oregon State. I'm taking Oregon State and the, and the 14 points. I think it's a close game. I think Oregon State could potentially pull the upset, but I don't think it's ever going to be out of reach or more than a one-possession game. So I'm taking Oregon State and the 14 points. My next game is Kent State at Buffalo. This is a heavyweight MAC matchup. It, this could be for supremacy in the MAC conference. I'm taking Kent State and the seven and a half points to cover. I don't know if they're actually going to win the game, but I think it's going to be an absolute slugfest. I think you have Jarrett Patterson, who's one of the best running backs in college football, for Buffalo, squaring off against one of the best quarterbacks in college football, and that's Dustin Crum for Kent State. I think it's going to be one of those games where you look in and it's going to be last team who scores wins. It's going to be a three- or seven-point game, so I'm taking Kent State. And then my final game is Mississippi State at Ole Miss. Ole Miss is laying nine points. I'm taking Ole Miss and the points. I think Ole Miss wins big. I don't think Mississippi State's offense can keep up with Ole Miss's borderline historic offense. Yeah, uh, that'll be interesting to think. I, it's funny. We, we hyped up the Egg Bowl, I think, all season, and now now we get a chance to see it. I think it's on tomorrow night, right? No. Uh, or is it Saturday. Friday night? Saturday. I think they moved to Saturday. It's usually on Thanksgiving, but I think they moved it to Saturday this year. Uh, uh, did they end up doing that? All right. Well, that one's always one that I always enjoy watching. So, All right, guys. I did. I went 0-0 last week because I wasn't on the podcast. Also, the week before, it is also to note that all five of my bets – all of them washed because all of them didn't play. So I happened to pick five that went. So I'm still 20 and 12 on the season. Um, uh, again, went three and two the last time that I actually had games I played. So here are my five plays. This first one, I don't think there's a lot of logic behind this other than it's the do theory, Pastel. I know, I know you're a fan of my do. <laughs> They're <theory>. due. <laughs> They're due. There is no way in hell that Penn State is going to go 0 and 6, right? There's just no chance. Penn State are two point dogs against Michigan. I'm taking Penn State as two point dogs and the points in this one. I think they win close. I think it's a distinct fest though, coach. I think it's just two bad teams that play each other. But I do think Penn State's too, so I think they cover that plus two. Uh, Indiana, uh, Maryland. This is uh, Maryland's at plus eleven. I think this game is closer than the experts think. I do think Indiana wins. I think it comes down to one possession though. So I'm taking Maryland as eleven point dogs and the points in this one at plus eleven. Next, uh, Texas State versus Coastal. Coastal is minus seventeen, so seventeen point favorites. I'm taking Coastal Carolina and the points. I think Coastal Carolina wins big. Texas State is not good, and Coastal will run up and down the field, score around 50 points. Alabama versus Auburn. Auburn, uh, 25-point dogs. I'm taking Auburn and the points to cover that in this game. I think Alabama will win handily. That plus 25 is such a big line for me, though, in a rivalry game where Nick Saban is out. I just – I think Alabama is going to win handily, but 25 points, I think that's a lot for an Iron Bowl. So I'm going to take Auburn at plus 25 there. And then this one I think might be my biggest guarantee of the weekend, Oklahoma versus West Virginia. Over-under is 55. I'm taking the over here. Oklahoma scored a lot of points. I think West Virginia will score a lot of points as well. Um, because Oklahoma's defense is just not very good. So I'm taking the over 
55 there. So those, if you want to win some money, all five of those are great plays for you this weekend. Yeah, and I was looking at bet online right now. It looks like that Mississippi State versus Ole Miss game, the over-under is 69.5. And I'm thinking to myself, that's got to be the highest over-under for this weekend. But shockingly, it's not. Ohio State versus Illinois is number one at 71.5. That's just kind of interesting to me. I, I could have sworn the, the Egg Bowl would have been definitely the number one over-under for the week. But but going into mine, uh, one and three last week with the, one of the teams not playing. Overall, 26, 24, and 1, so I'm staying above 500. Hopefully I can maintain that this week. I got Iowa minus 13.5 versus Nebraska. I'm not going to bet on Nebraska for the rest of the year, so I'm going to take Iowa in this game. I don't think they're a number 23 in the nation type of team, but I still think they're 14 points better than Nebraska. As far as UCF, I got them minus 24.5 against the USF. I believe UCF. It's probably one of the most underrated teams in football. I really do I really do believe that. They played Cincinnati, and they could have won that game last week. But they didn't, obviously. But I do believe USF sucks. So I think they cover that spread. Penn State versus Michigan. Kenny – or not Kenny, uh, Glessner. Honestly, I kind of disagree with you. I get, the, I get the do theory, but I believe Michigan has a better quarterback, and I think they have a really good defense. So I think they're going to beat uh, Penn State minus two. I, I don't know. I Cade McNamara is a way better quarterback than Joe Milton. I honestly thought Joe Milton sucked at quarterback. I just didn't say anything the last few weeks just because it, I didn't have much to support my theory, more or less. I mean, to, to be fair, he was on my he stinks coach segment because he does yeah. stink. He does. <laughs> All you need is an efficient quarterback for that for that team, and, and, and they found one, I believe. Next game, OSU, Ohio State, minus 28 versus Illinois. I think this is one of those games you're just going to see o- – OSU, you went 50, 52 to 17, maybe. I, guess, I think it's going to be a blowout. Um, so I'm going to take OSU. As far as Colorado, Kenny, you touched on it a little bit earlier. I think Colorado is smelling upset right here. I know, so they, they're plus 12 against USC. I'm going to take Colorado in the points, but I'm also going to say I will not be shocked if Colorado takes down USC. Because yeah. I think Colorado has dudes on both sides of the football. And that rebuilding process is a lot, is way ahead of schedule right now. So I'm going to take Colorado plus 12. Yeah, it's interesting. I I actually like that last play because I don't think USC has looked very good this year. Um, I you know first two weeks very dicey. I guess last week they had a little bit better week, but I don't know, man. I'm I'm not on the USC train uh, this week. I do like your UFC uh, UCF play too. I think you uh, uh, UCF will play a lot, lot of good plays. I actually agree with pretty much everybody's play. Except, of course, Pastel's Penn State, Michigan, because I went the other way. I'm a, again, I will preference mine is the do theory. There no, there no logic. Do. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. 
With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Uh, Wouldn't be Prospects 101 if we didn't talk any recruiting news. Probably the biggest news of the last week is Quinn Ewers. He is the top quarterback in the 2020 – is it the 2022 or 2023 class? 2022. 2022 mm-hmm. class. Remember, he decommitted from Texas, I believe, about a month ago, and it looks like he has found a new home pastel. Talk to us a little bit about Quinn Ewers and what this does for the rest of the 2022 class. Well, what it does for Ohio State for the 2022 class, they just landed not only the best quarterback in the 2022 class, they landed at the second-best receiver and top-15 talent five-star receiver Caleb Barton. I mean, this is unbelievable what Ohio State's doing, and it's obviously nothing new, but I think they're taking recruitment to a different level right now. I mean, they already have, it looks like, three five-star players and another four-star player that's in the top 50 in their 2022 class. That's already better than probably – you know, every other school in the 2021 class. So it's just more of a testament to what Ohio State is doing and how they're pulling players like these guys that, I mean, Texas just had, what, two five-star players uh, on their recruiting class three weeks ago, and those guys decommitted. They, they snagged one of those dudes. So it's just interesting, more or less. And speaking of decommitments, anyone see after Will Muschamp left how many guys have left that program as from a recruiting standpoint? I think they've lost four players in the 2021 class as of, I think, the, in the last 10 days. So I'm, I am really curious, one, if they're going to be able to keep Gunnar Stockton, obviously the big-time five-star quarterback that they have in the 2022 class. But they're losing more than just, like, you know, average Joes. They're losing some of their top prospects in these, in these classes. So they need to find a coach, and they need to do something to maintain these guys before they just start jumping ship and going to other schools right now. Yeah, that's always the risk of what happens when you fire your coach midway through the season. You know, you, you – you run the risk of losing the the, the commits because you don't have a guy in there who can sit, actively sell the program at the moment. Uh, you know, I heard a story. I remember it reminds me of a story when Ed Orgeron was at USC and they fired their head coach and they were looking to – eventually they hired Pete Carroll. But Ed Orgeron talks about he's he was trying to keep selling the program, keep recruiting, even though there was no head coach and, you know, players parents were coming up to him and was like dude our son's not going to commit to you guys right now there's no there's why would we there's no there's, so it's, yeah it's tough it's definitely definitely a, a, a tightrope you walk when you fire a head coach that early in the season yeah it'll be interesting to see who they get to replay I'm you know part of me is just not very much of a fan firing a coach in the middle of the season for for this reason you know you gotta you gotta be able to get a guy in there and you got to be able to get a guy in there fast uh, in order to keep these guys committed, or you're going to really whoever's going to take over this job is already going to be in a leg down. So, but yeah. it is what it is in South Carolina. I know Pastel, the, the radio waves have been buzzing the past couple weeks about, you know, Must Champ and his job, and, and it looked like it kind of came to fruition. 
the last couple weeks. Any any word, any any um, any word on the new coach or who they're looking uh, at? So they, I know they go to the I know fans. Freeze, I know, I, but what, what are they saying on the South Carolina radio waves? So they, they'll ask fans who they want, and these fans, I would argue, they're pretty smart from those part. But it sounds like, and Ken, you're gonna love hearing this, is I have now heard Napier a few times. That's as my guy. As, as far as at least what fans want. Uh, and obviously the, the rumors about Freeze, it, it, man, it's so hot and cold about that guy. Some guys, they just love him, and they think he is going to be – they don't care about his past history or anything. Like, they're like, if he can bring W's, then bring him to South Carolina. That's just how some of the mentality of the, these fans down here are. But I would order you Napier and Freeze are the two fan favorites right now in South Carolina. Oh, oh, Hugh, oh Hugh Freeze will definitely bring W's, no doubt about it. I mean, he's a great coach. Just don't be upset six years from now when you guys have a postseason ban. Because of all the recruiting infractions and yeah. personal conduct issues. He's a changed man, okay. Yeah, right. Hey, I've got a, I've got a trivia question, Kidding, You mentioned uh, Marion Barber earlier today. Who was the other running back in the two-headed monster from Minnesota when he played? I, I know it. Gless, do you know? Um, I, I used to know it. I don't know I don't want to spoil it, but I know it. Go ahead, Kenny. You say it. Lawrence Maroney. Absolutely, that's right. Probably, yeah, probably the original two-headed monster in college football. I would argue, like that and was then like, I think, literally their name. And then I think they, they didn't they end up on the same team? Didn't they end up on the Cowboys? Same team in the pros for a little bit. I think they were. I know Maroney was in New England, but I think he was in the Pats for a while. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Dallas, I see you beat Dallas shirt on for the game tomorrow, Gless. I do, yeah. No, that's what. Yeah, beat Dallas, fight for old DC. Got that on, so I'll be rocking this, uh, rocking this tomorrow. Big game for the Washington football team. The ability to take up first place at four and seven. I, <laughs> I was like going to say they win. They're half game up right now. That's right, right. And the way the Eagles are, they they stink, coach. And luckily, we've already we're done playing the Giants because the Giants are four and zero the last two years against us. So yeah, I think good. they said Got that Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is 4-0 against the uh, Washington football team and 2-19 and like 19 against the rest of the league. Yeah, well, <laughs> not shocked at that. Anyways, guys, let's get out of here. Uh, at, make sure you add Prospects 101 to your college football routine on Fridays and Saturdays by following us on social media. We're always posting throughout the week. That's at Prospects 101 Pod. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast platform to stay up to date with all of our episodes. Please give us that five-star review as well. Appreciate you spreading the word. For Pastel, for Kenny, make sure you eat a lot. Make sure you bet it all and enjoy Week 13 in college football.